It's been a rough time in New Zealand with uh, storms and weather disrupting large parts of our country and uh, inundating our larger city in January with some severe floods. This has raised some questions and concerns about how adequate and how resilient our infrastructure systems are, particularly in regards to stormwater. And so we thought it'd be worth having a chat about what stormwater is, how we manage it, and, and what the sort of challenges we're facing over the medium term. Uh, to do that, I have with me uh, Christian Gumst, who is a senior advisor here at Te Waihanga, but prior to joining us was a civil and environmental engineer who specialised in Three Waters. Morning, Christian. How are you? Morning. Um, really good, actually. Thanks. Uh, should we start with the basics? Like, what is stormwater and, and why do we manage it or try to manage it? Yeah, yeah. And it's probably good to start start at the basics. Um, so stormwater is, <laughs> obviously, it is just uh, rainfall that lands on the ground and runs off. Um, and why do we manage it? Um, first context setting, obviously, in the natural environment, runoff just flows from land to rivers and then out to the ocean. We manage it because we modify the natural environment. We build houses, factories, warehouses. Um, we live and work and play on the land, and we interrupt, oftentimes, the natural flow of stormwater. Um, so we manage it to make sure that it doesn't uh, disrupt our day-to-day -day lives, doesn't um, cause damage to our property, and ultimately, uh, you know, uh, cause loss of human life uh, in the most severe of instances. So that's why we manage it. Yeah. Um, and how? What are the ways in which we manage it? Most of us think of pipes and drains, but that's actually only one part of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a, essentially it folds out into two sort of categories of of management. What we call built and non-built solutions. So the built solutions are what we what we typically think of when we think of sort of stormwater management with our our pipes, our culverts, um, big channels, that sort of stuff. So the the visible side of of stormwater management, and that is what has traditionally been thought of for stormwater management. Um, more recently. Um, I would like to say the last 20, 30 years, um, but gaining gaining significantly more prominence is the non-built solutions for managing stormwater, uh, otherwise known as green infrastructure. So we talk about swales quite a lot, um, but that's only one part of it. There's a lot of different sort of technologies that we can use, um, and it's generally centered around mimicry of the natural systems. So um, re-daylighting streams that we might have cul culverted in the past is a is a common way of doing that. Um, well, like I say, swales um, and infiltration, so reinstating green and pervious areas. So that is basically in an attempt to minimise the amount of actual runoff that is generated. Um, and the thought there is that we transition from the traditional way of managing stormwater, which is the built uh, function. And that is typically end of pipe solutions if we wanted to um, go further and, and sort of reduce stormwater flows or reduce peak flows um, towards source management or uh, at point um, management. So that is essentially about reducing generation and um, retaining stormwater runoff within the catchment and releasing it over a slower time. 
So the gist is you try and soak up as much as you can where it falls rather than have it back up into the pipes. Is that the aim? Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, basically reinstating the natural systems as much as possible. Obviously, as we saw recently, it doesn't matter how much you try to to capture. You will always reach a tipping point where you will generate runoff. So you're trying to uh, slow the stormwater down as much as possible and to reduce the burden on our built infrastructure. The um, the Auckland floods have sort of raised some questions about how well we're managing stormwater. I mean, is it is it difficult to do? It it is very difficult to do actually, um, for a number of reasons. The first and foremost is you never really know how much it's going to rain, right? It's it's all probabilistic. You never really know. You can forecast, but. Um, and that's only one side of it. So there's there's a question of how much it rains um, and how you manage it will obviously depend on how much it rains. It isn't feasible to manage every rain event. And that's so that's that's the the one side of the the stormwater equation. The other side of it is is what I refer to as the generation. Um, and that is once it rains and it hits the ground, how much of that rainfall then becomes runoff and how quickly does it become runoff? And that, and the reason that that becomes really difficult is because it isn't just one system or one agency or, or one point of responsibility or accountability. We talk about, or other, it, it sits under the likes of councils um, for stormwater management but they also deal with land use planning. You've got private development. You've got the growing imperviousness of our catchments, which which increases the amount of runoff that is actually generated. You have um, historically combined sewers, so you've got this interface with wastewater networks as well. Um, you've got the roading network, which um, typically under normal design scenarios, you'll have a height network which is designed usually for up to about a one in ten year event and then we utilize overland flow paths and that by and large general general principle is, is that that's our road corridors that will carry those those larger events so obviously then you've got an interface with our road controlling authorities and the way that our roadways are designed um so that's to say that there's a lot of different players and aspects in the stormwater management space and they all have different priorities and usually not to manage stormwater so how do you get all these different players working together to manage stormwater um so that's just one 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 of the challenges the other challenge as well is that no one generates stormwater It, it falls from the sky it lands on on the ground and it might land on your property and it's not a problem on your property and it's you know usually not a problem when it just lands on one person's property but as it as it proceeds downstream it accumulates and eventually it reaches this critical mass where it becomes a problem so you talk about or other where you start to realize the problems of stormwater is downstream and you might have it be a problem because of a constriction in the network, or it might be a problem because of upstream causes. 
such as intensification and increased runoff generation. So how do you identify what the what the point of cause of the problem is, um, as opposed to it just being runoff and no big deal? So this coordination problem between all the different players, the road controlling authorities, the councils, the water, the water service providers, is that what was the source of the trouble in Auckland? I mean, what, what, what made the flooding in Auckland in January so bad? I think the first thing to, to state with the, the Auckland floods is it was an unprecedented amount of rainfall that hit Auckland. Um, and so I haven't seen any latest publication as to the actual classification of this storm event size. Um, but we refer to storm events as a recurrence interval. Um, that's basically like how likely is it to occur over a given time time span. And the Auckland flood event, the storm there exceeded a one 250 year event. Even uh, for forecasted climate models in the worst case scenario, um, by how much I couldn't say, but it exceeded to a one in two hundred and fifty year event, and it is the largest storm event that Auckland has ever had on record. So, to say that that this was an unprecedented event for Auckland, it absolutely was, um, and to make it worse, it was incredibly widespread. Throughout Auckland, uh, historically, we've had, you know, fairly large storm events, again, not of this size, but they tend to be more isolated, so they don't hit the whole Auckland region at once. And that is that is one of the th- reasons why this, this event was particularly bad is, A, it was huge, and then, B, it was region-wide. Um, so those are sort of like the... the scene setting things there's obviously the the question around what what i alluded to earlier which is around the the actual use of the catchment so auckland has obviously seen quite a lot of population growth over over the years Uh, that has come with intensification and and increased impervious areas so obviously if this storm event had hit auckland let's say 100 years ago we probably would have seen quite a different outcome but obviously, Auckland, as it is today, um, with much greater impervious areas, the the flooding, or rather the the stormwater response to the rainfall, uh, is quite different to to what it was. And and again, that'll be one of those contributing factors as to why it was so bad. So the Auckland um, the Auckland floods were a very very rare event. You mentioned one in two hundred and fifty years. Are there what do we build stormwater systems to? Are there particular standards, national standards, regional standards? What what are we aiming to to manage in terms of um, the severity of events? Well, so that's a that's a great question. Uh, I draw parallels to to the way that we design buildings for earthquakes, as an example. Uh, so typically, we would set a design standard. Stormwater, we have typically designed piped systems, so our built infrastructure to accommodate a one in 10 year event. Um, but these standards are generally set at a regional level. Um, so there isn't a national standard for what a piped system should accommodate. And then our sort of, and that's for what we convey inside pipes. Then we look at overland flow paths. 
and those are typically designed for one in a hundred year events. We do um, have occasions where we might consider larger events. Um, so I know s some substations and, and critical infrastructure uh, utility providers might elect to design for a higher flooding event. Um, I know CRL, for example, uh, sorry, that's a city rail link up here in Auckland. Uh, the entry and exit portals for the tunnel there, those elevations have been set for a higher inundation level uh, than the one in a hundred year. But there isn't, in my experience, I haven't seen a whole lot of consideration outside of the one in 100 year as general practice. Um, climate change obviously raises some questions about how adequate things are now and what we should be building to. Does, is climate change gonna make flooding more common? And you know, if so, how should we be thinking about our response? Yeah, I mean, interesting Interesting to see what, what climate change actually ends up doing. Obviously, our models, uh, so so NIWA has a, has a rainfall modeling program, and they, they accommodate various climate change scenarios, and that obviously um, results in a larger amount of rainfall for all storm sizes. And just taking a step back, when we talk about storm sizes, the way that we classify them is based on historical events. So that is to say that with climate change changing the size and severity and frequency of storm events, it's likely that you know what we call a one in 200 year event might become defined as a one in 100 year event in the future. So it's um, a bit of a moving target as to how we talk about these things. But essentially, if we talk about the same size storm event, what is less frequent now is likely to become more frequent in the future. Um, and as to will that result in more flooding, that is kind of down to how we respond to it. You know, we can say with a high degree of certainty that, that storm events will become larger and more frequent. Um, but the flooding, that really is within our control. So how we respond to that um, is going to be critical as to whether we see more flooding. It's probably likely that because of the infrastructure that we have in place and our topography that we will get flooding, um, whether it causes problems and damage, that is part of the, the I guess, the response. The Auckland floods were clearly a, a massive event, severe impacts on on the people up in, in Auckland. Uh, it's something that we at Tawahang have been thinking about and uh, have produced a paper which is available on our on our website. Um, what were the key sort of findings from that work when we looked at the impacts of the floods? Yeah, I mean, I just want to start by acknowledging that the floods have had a, a huge impact, a devastating impact on a large number of people here in Auckland and, and there are families still still going through the, the ramifications of what happened. Um, but one of the key findings is that, that our infrastructure held up remarkably well for, for such an unprecedented storm event. Um, you know, we, we did have flooding and there were impacts, um, but many services were restored relatively quickly. Um, some of the, the longer lasting damage 
was associated with uh, slips, um, obviously caused by the rainfall and the flooding events. Um, but again, the, the flooding in and of itself uh, was handled or sort of um, Auckland bore the brunt of it relatively well, all things considered. Well, that's a reassuring way to end. Um, clearly, there's some more work to do. But on the on the other hand, we are perhaps more resilient than we expected. Um, thanks for your time, Christian. It was a really good chat. Thank you.